This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, 2021 has a lot in store for the blueberry industry. And yes, when I say a lot, I mean a lot of blueberries. Many of you are probably wondering about what 2021 production estimates look like. And just as importantly, what's the market looking like right now for blueberries? And what's our plan to move all these pounds that we're going to see coming on here? Uh, that's exactly what today's episode is about. So excited to uh, be sitting down here. Actually, nearly a year ago in episode two, I sat down to talk with Brian Bocock about the power of market information for the blueberry industry. And we have him back here on the show again today to apply that same principle of the power of market information to this year's blueberry outlook. Also on the episode at that time was Adam Broheimer from Category Partners. Adam won't be joining with us today. But we do have Tom Barnes from Category Partners, and, and he'll be talking about how blueberries are positioned relative to the rest of the berry patch and beyond. So Brian, Tom, thanks for being on the show with me today. Yep. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Great to see you guys. Great to have you on the show. Brian, I'm sure most of our listeners may recognize your voice, listen to that episode last year. But in case there's anyone out there still who is wondering who the heck is this Brian Bocock guy, uh, maybe you can give us a brief background on yourself, what you do, you know, who you work for. Sure. Thank you, Casey. So Brian Bokak, <laughs> um, my family actually has a blueberry farm in Michigan. So I'm very familiar with the ebbs and flows of the challenges of growing blueberries, some fresh and process uh, to the marketplace. But my day job, my real job, if you will, is working for Naturite Farms, where I'm in charge of product management. I've been with Naturite Farms for 32 years um, and enjoy my job. It seems like even more and more as we go through the years and boy, there's been some huge changes and even this year is going to be something brand new again as we come off of a year of, of COVID and how that affects things. And I know we're going to get into it later on, but I really enjoy the industry and thanks for having me again, Casey. I, that's a great show you got going on here. Well, hey, I appreciate your enthusiasm for it. And I can't imagine the industry without Brian Bocock your energy and enthusiasm for you know what ends up having to happen next and next in our industry. So obviously, your service on the uh, promotion committee has been a, a great way for me to get to know you and just obviously appreciate all you do in that sales desk there at uh, Nature Ripe. So moving on to Tom, maybe you can, Tom, give a listeners a quick snapshot of Category Partners and what you guys do. Obviously, your role there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, thanks for having me today. I know I'm not Adam, but you know, hopefully I can fill in. So Category Partners is a data analytics and a consumer research firm. We focus on the fresh industries. We got our start in produce, and we also work with grower shippers all across the fresh industries, both in meat, deli, dairy, bakery. And uh, we just enjoy data in just about every form. 
We focus a lot on the retail side of things, but also working with grower shippers in any type of data that they may need help with in order to grow their business. You know, I first met you, Tom, at the Fresh Summit in Anaheim, and I can vividly remember our conversation there just talking about your experience with potatoes and the work with Walmart and your experience across the spectrum of commodities that are increasingly leveraging data to make better business decisions. And I know we'll be working more closely with you and your team for that at Blueberries, but maybe you can talk a bit about what you're seeing in that space today, maybe in relationship to how COVID's impacted and the management within agriculture with your clients. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been in the produce industry for over 20 years, and uh, it is interesting how much more data there is available today than obviously back when I started. I believe the fresh industries are catching up to that CPG data and insights that uh, we always talk about and try and compare ourselves to that Coke and Pepsi. And I believe that uh, produce is closer than they think. And uh, especially nowadays, in my opinion, it is not enough to go to a retailer with just a great price and a promise to give good quality, but to also deliver on uh, insights and know what the forecast is, what the trends are, and bringing them the information that they need in order to succeed. And that's how the grower shippers can succeed. Yeah, it's totally interesting too. I know, Brian, you're probably shaking your head over there about what more of service we have to provide as a category to retailers who in some cases have the data. You know, they just don't have time to get to it. And of course, it's always a relationship game, but this idea of data, there's just so much richness in what can be accomplished in knowing what's happening. And I think that is probably why you're seeing a lot more companies coming towards your way People are all looking at how to organize themselves, industries from a commodity board level down to company level. So really interesting. I'm going to turn it back to Brian here just just to kind of kick off our conversation about this pile of blueberries, Brian, that we have estimated coming out of the NABC spring meetings. But that's because it's a big number. I mean, we're not talking about a small amount of pounds. We're actually estimating the largest crop going into this domestic season that we've ever seen. And that number is you know, approaching 1.7 billion pounds. And so as I say that to you, I'm thinking, okay, uh, there's a good portion of those pounds that Brian's going to have to deal with. And I just thought we'd take a moment here just to get your reaction to that, that high number and what that supply side is looking like for 2021. First off, 1.7 billion is a wow number, right? I mean, that is, hmm. But I also think today that we are more positioned, I mean, kind of what Tom was saying earlier, there was more transparency, more communication going on with crop forecasting, et cetera, than ever before. And so it's incumbent on sales and marketers, et cetera, to really take that data, that knowledge, and apply it towards how we move through this crop. And I think today I'm going to start out on a high note, and I'm going to talk about frozen first, which is... I know contradictory to everybody on the phone podcast just fell out of the chairs and said, Brian's going to talk about frozen and not fresh, but I am. My point is that really exciting as we head into this year, according to the cold storage report, we're at the lowest level of inventory since heading into the 2012 crop year, right? So coming out of the 2011 to the 2012, we're at the lowest point heading into the 2021 crop since that time period. And we all know since then, right, 
that usage and consumption and ways to use frozen berries has only increased. It hasn't gone backwards. Now, we also know that the pricing hasn't been exactly fantastic over this time period either. But that's the first step towards, in my mind anyways, of positive trending towards this big crop coming at us, right, Case? I really think there could be some inflation pricing on frozen this year. I'm not going to speculate on how high it could get up, and I'm not going to try to speculate on what people's averages were for 2020. But I will say that all the indicators and signs point towards that the frozen market could be stronger on grade A product than it was last year. Now, I'm saying grade A on purpose. I, I don't know if I'd say the same thing about juice grade product as an example. Time may tell. I hope I'm completely wrong with that statement, but I think juice will still be a bit of a struggle. But on grade A, great product, I think there's some optimism and, frankly, positioning and stats that would say the market is going to improve on frozen. Now, that said, you know, 1.6 billion is a lot of pounds. And when you look at the NABC report, you know, the cultivated low bush, and all you guys are laughing at me because some people like to call it wild. I call it cultivated low bush. But the cultivated low bush industry, they're in really good shape. And unless they just have a booming, huge crop, that crop really is probably pretty well spoken for already. I mean, they, I'm sure they still got to sign pricing to it, but that's probably off the table already. So now it comes down to are we still going to pack as much fresh as we did, you know, in previous years? And if we do, I really think that's going to keep that process pounds, those frozen pounds, in check to see some inflation on, on pricing there. So I guess I kind of want to start with that because I think that that's um, a really key focal point as we head into the 21 harvest. As it relates to fresh, we definitely got our challenges in front of us. Last year, according to USDA Market News Service, the largest week we had was 15.4 million pounds of fresh product in the marketplace. Now, that's from all areas. And that happened to be in July, which historically, July is the largest producing month of the year. The way the crops are lining up right now, and as a lot of you on the call already know, you know, Florida right now, just a brief update, Florida is over their peak and on their way down. There's still some decent weeks in front, but they're on their way down. Georgia is really starting to ramp up this week. California is going to be ramping up a lot. And as we move up through the crops, North Carolina is forecasting a really big crop. New Jersey, a really solid crop. You know, in the Northwest and Michigan, time to tell still because we got to get through pollination, et cetera. But, you know, right now in April, and as my good friend John Shuffer would say, I've never known a grower in April not to forecast a great crop. So, you know, things can happen that could bring this crop down. But it's starting to line up. And my point of all of this is, as we look at our forecast, which is only a couple of weeks away, right? We're looking potentially at some numbers where we could have uh, one, two, three, four weeks above 16 million pounds each week in a row, and two of those weeks flirting with 18 million pounds. So I say that to say as an industry, and I said this early on in the conversation here today, we know that's coming. So now it's up to us to make sure we move through that volume, right? We were joking before the podcast started a little bit about bigger packs versus smaller packs. You know, in order to move that consumer 
into an 18-ounce pack. Move that retailer into an 18-ounce pack. So when Tom Barnes is going to debate with me maybe later on about big packs versus small packs, when he buys blueberries, he's taking home 18 ounces versus 12 ounces, which is helping to improve the per capita consumption of blueberries, right? So the other thing that's still working for us, though, I don't want to be total doom and gloom here. If we're going to have a huge May, May's a great month to have a huge month. Because there's not a lot of competing items in the marketplace yet, right? You don't have a lot of veg. You don't have a lot of grapes. Cherries are just starting to flirt around, you know, in California. And you have Memorial Day at the back end of the month. So May's a great month to have a big month of fresh blueberries. As we move just a little bit forward into June, we're also forecasting June to be a really big month, rivaling May, possibly more than May although I, I don't think it will be. But now it starts to get a little bit more complicated. Right now, cherries are forecasting a really big cherry crop in California. And then you move into the Pacific Northwest. And quite frankly, if there's any crop out there that really takes us on for retail promotions, it's cherries. We hold our own pretty well against everything in the category. I'm talking about berries at large now, right? But cherries, when a cherry shipper calls a retailer, he listens to him just as much as he listens to us because cherries really drive per foot um, sales in the retail level. So bottom line is we got a lot of fruit coming at us. And what could be interesting that we've got to track, Casey, this year is this could be the first time ever, could be first time ever, that both May and June put more fresh blueberries into the marketplace than the month of July, which is going to be fascinating to watch. Well, and I want to connect the dots on these trends and talk to you both about how we see all this blueberry production play out. And I think you've started to kind of head down that road here on its place in the produce aisle and and that sort of things. But let's get an insight on the actual crop uh, report today. So we're going to take a quick break for our crop report. Even though we're still early in our domestic season, there's still quite a bit to share. So here, once again, is your blueberry crop report. It's time now for your blueberry crop report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today you'll hear from Mario Ramirez in Mexico, Bill Steed in California, Ken Patterson in Florida, and Alex Cornelius in Georgia. This was recorded on May 5th, 2021. Hi, here Mario with the Mexican Blueberries Report. As we say last week, we have Rachel Pico in April, and from this week on, we will see a gradual decrease in the volumes. In the 17th week, we fell around 12% respect the last one, exporting 8 million pounds and going to North America, 7 million, 8,000 pounds. At this point, we had exported 113 million pounds to all the world, growing around 20% respect the last season. That's my report. See you next week. This is Bill Steed with the California Crop Report Week uh, 5. It looks like most of the uh, the, the state has started, uh, maybe a little bit in the north. It's, it's still not quite there. We're anticipating not be such a hard peak, but more of a soft peak. Volumes are still uh, projected as where we were thinking, which is uh, in the 40 million plus of fresh on conventional and the 30 million plus on the organic. And then you throw in the process, we see ourselves at about an 88 million pound a season. And uh, labor doesn't seem to be an issue. There's no, been no disease reporting and we're rocking and rolling. Hello, everybody. This is Ken Patterson on week 17 of the Florida Crop Report. Uh, the Florida season is quickly coming to an end. South Florida is anywhere 
from 90% to completely done. Uh, Central Florida is about 85 to 95% completed. North Florida is not far behind with 75 to 85% harvested. By the end of next week, Florida will probably be completely finished. Despite the heat, quality has remained excellent throughout the season. And the total volume shipped out of Florida as of May 1st is 19,500,000 pounds. And that's my crop report for Florida. Good afternoon. This is Alex Cornelius, um, representing Georgia Blueberry Industry. USDA fresh blueberry shipments through April 22nd is 1,744,893 pounds versus last year we had 8,656,000 pounds. Uh, we're certainly way behind where we were last year, but it is catching up. Uh, week 18, the Georgia Industrial Forecast Conventional is forecast conventional blues is six and a half million pounds versus last year, four million pounds. So you can see next week we're ahead two and a half million pounds with the forecast. That basically wraps up the Georgia report for today. Thank you. Remember that you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find data and insights there to see more of what's happening in the blueberry industry. Make sure you visit ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. I love sharing with our audience, Tom, about that landing page, the Data and Insight Center, because if you go there, which we encourage you to do, you'll see it's powered by Category Partners. Now, USDA, Market News, obviously that's where we're pulling that data from. But just quick note of appreciation that that's there, something that's been kind of great to watch us make available as an organization, but be able to see the crop progressing there, making it really easy for the industry to take a look at that. You bet. We're, uh, we're excited to be part of that. And uh, we're excited for what's to come. That's just the tip of the iceberg. We have a lot of great insights uh, coming to that data and insight center on the ushbc.org page. So, you know, hold your hats. Here we come. Yeah, right. We're assembling a, an insight center here where we'll be able to kind of watch that in a way that it gets refreshed and it just starts to help people better appreciate the way that obviously you've seen the world for many years, you know, how the crop moves. But a lot of people in this business, I think, you know, just being able to have this tool at the ready can start to see some of the challenges that we're going to be talking about here on what, you know, a large crop does. It's not perfect, but it's a great insight into how the blueberry business runs today. Tom, if you could, you know, just give us some sense from your perspective at Category Partners on on how that market dynamic shaping up uh, compared to some of the other commodities. Yeah, absolutely. So we are a, uh, a connected partner with Nielsen, and so we're able to access that data. So anything that I cite here will be from Nielsen with their permission. But we are able to look at all of the departments. And as we look currently looking at the trends of trying to comp against a March and April that for many categories was out of this world. Unprecedented growth, shelves emptied um, as people stocked up, as everybody was uh, sent into quarantine last year, and obviously, you know, big numbers. And now, um, you know, it's all about what have you done for me lately? Every retailer, every buyer is now being graded against their comp when they had amazing comps last year. And so we look at that a lot. We're working with a lot of clients on that. And it is interesting that for that seven weeks that we can see, beginning in March through um, April 17th, 
a lot of those stock up veg items are suffering. Um, you know, negative 20 plus comps from March and April of last year. A lot of the uh, fruit, even the, the larger fruit categories such as apples also down, you know, substantially. And what is really interesting is among the few categories that are still positive in the produce department, blueberries and strawberries. You know, both of those are still powerhouses bringing in, you know, extra dollars from 2020. For those seven weeks, March and April through April 17th, blueberries was up 8.6%, which is one of very few categories that actually posted positive gains for that time period. Strawberries was also up there at about the same rate. And so, you know, when Brian starts talking about a bigger crop and, and you know, here we go, uh, it looks like this is ramping up already to be a great year for berries and blueberries in particular. And so that's something that hopefully the grower shippers can get out to their buyers at retail and say, look, here is where you can generate some dollars. Here's how your VP of produce isn't going to go completely insane. And that is by, you know, pushing some of these categories, blueberries being one of them, a little bit more, a little bit harder to squeeze every dollar out that they possibly can. So in frozen, everything was down. Total berries in frozen was down 13% compared to 2020, um, up 34.3% though, um, compared to 2019. In produce, uh, the fresh department, strawberries and blueberries were both up with raspberries and blackberries actually down. Blackberries almost 10% and raspberries just a few points down on dollars. And then on pounds, looking at that, it's basically the same trend with strawberries and blueberries up Blueberries actually beat strawberries in percent growth year over year um, between 2021 and 2020 on pounds, but raspberries and blackberries again declined. And actually, it's worse on pounds. Raspberries and blackberries were both down double digits. When you're looking for uh, another positive story to go to retailers with is produce is still up compared to 2019. So 2021 is still a good year. It's just not an anomaly year like 2020 was. So if you look at that, blueberries was up 24.4% compared to 2019. Blueberries was up 8.6% compared to 2020 and was one of the few categories that was positive both you know, versus 2020 and versus 2019. It's encouraging to hear that. I, I wonder how, Brian, you respond to some of these insights in terms of you know that sort of appreciation of what buyers are facing right now. Obviously, last year was an anomaly of an experience. So from your perspective, Brian, is that all ringing true from you? And, and is that the plan forward here that we're, we're pointing out these facts and encouraging these buyers to you know, take seriously uh, what Blueberries brings to the table? Thanks, Case, and thanks, Tom. I mean, clearly encouraging numbers from Tom. And, and yeah, as we were talking earlier, Tom, you know, March being the first month that retail actually went backwards year over year on comp sales. But it'll be really interesting to watch as we move through 2021. There's some people that say it takes a year for a trend to start changing into a cultural move or a change in buying patterns. And it's interesting that COVID, we're just over a year into it. And what happened during COVID, right? Who were the big winners? Berries and citrus. 
from a health perspective, right? So it'll be interesting to watch over the next year if that health buying perception and reality of berries continues through retail. Because even though people are getting shots and everything else, there's still going to be that mentality of, I want to keep my body as healthy as possible, at least I believe. And we believe that. What's going to be also interesting and a challenge for retail is the food service bounce back, right? We don't believe food service is going to bounce back to pre-COVID this year, but we do expect food service to go be 50, 55% better than last year. That's going to have a, an impact on the dollars spent at retail versus going out and eating at your favorite uh, restaurants. The other thing that's going to be interesting, and I didn't mention this earlier, is the increase in volume of organic as well. We're going to potentially see some weeks in May where we're at 4 million pounds or more on organics. And again, as an industry, we haven't hit that number before. Typically, out of eastern Washington, as we get to the last week of June and 1st of July, that's our peak. We could actually see a bigger peak in May on organics than in late June and July out of eastern Washington. And what's interesting with that comment is that organic pricing is actually trending down a little bit versus a year ago. I don't know whether you attribute that to the economy and people being a bit concerned with the dollars they're spending or just what, but that is trending down. So bottom line is Tom's comments are obviously very encouraging and we see a lot of that. I can tell you right now that blueberries are selling for a stronger price now than they did a year ago at this time, but we've got some big numbers in front of us that we've got to make sure we get this thing dialed in right. And the other thing is, I hate to even put it this way, but really working with retailers to not just think it's going to happen like last year, right? We're going to have to earn every dollar the consumer spends at retail, and they're going to have to earn it to hit those comps again. It's not just going to fall into our laps that the consumer is going to be purchasing as much as retail this year as they did last year. So, Well, no doubt. I think we're seeing a theme here uh, that actually fits really nicely with the program that we've got going right now on the promotion front of uh, blueberries being a boost, boost in your department, a boost in obviously this uh, health expectation that I think you're right, Brian, that that consumers aren't going to walk away from just because they get their shot. I think, you know, we're looking at a multi-year expectations of vaccines and in the same time, lots of people still wanting to inoculate themselves from what they feel is just being healthy in their consumption. We can see that in a number of areas in our consumer work. But, you know, it is this conversation about where we were in 2019, kind of going into that 2020 season, knowing that was a big season. Of course, we didn't know that we were going to be in the middle of that pandemic, but recognizing that we were, as a program, needing to focus more on frozen in order to help deal with what you were describing, Brian, in terms of its relationship to the cost average of fresh. And now look at it, you know, one year later, you know, you've got the inventory and cold storage down. And yeah, there's a lot of work that I know people listening could say could be done in that space on data, like what actually is cold storage. But that being said, in a completely different position, thanks to the promotion work of fresh and frozen, moving this inventory forward at the same time and understanding its relationship, the dynamic of the two going forward. So maybe we talk a little bit on those insights too, Tom, about you know, it's not going to be quite the same story for Frozen as it is for Fresh, but we're in a good position to keep pushing Frozen while Fresh is having this bumper crop year. 
Yeah. Well, if you look at the two-year, again, comparing 2021 to 2019 for that same seven weeks, March and April, you're still up 22% on frozen blueberries. So, I mean, it's positive versus 2020, um, down almost 20%, but that means that we're okay. And frozen is continuing to grow. I think the health message is working. So even though it doesn't have 100% positive numbers like the fresh blueberries, there still is a positive outlook and a positive message in the frozen category. Well, this is great, but we're going to take a quick break right here for our marketing boost. We'll be right back to this conversation in a moment. But for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks. Thanks, Casey. Social media is such an important part of the marketing mix to reach and engage consumers. Everyone is on it, and it's important to produce and distribute content that resonates. Hopefully, you've checked out USHBC's Grab a Boost of Blue Industry Hub at ushbc.org slash boostablue. It's like an advertising agency at your fingertips. And while you'll find loads of photos, recipes, and graphics to enhance your social content, it's important to also follow us on our social channels. Why? Because we know that creating the right content for your channels takes time and resources, and we're here to save you time and resources. Whether on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Pinterest, you'll find us under the same social media handle, at Blueberries. By following us, the strategic and timely daily content we promote will show up right in your newsfeed. Then it's easy to retweet or share on your stories, and you'll provide your audience with engaging content that you don't have to do yourself. We also understand the importance of creating your own content for your channels, but that's where we can help too. When you follow us at Blueberries, you'll receive continuous content ideas that may spur your own creativity. We're all in this together to inspire the consumer to buy, eat, and love blueberries. And we're here to help. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Back to you, Casey. Thanks, Jenny. Now, let's go back to today's episode with Brian and Tom. At the top of the show, Brian, you kind of talked a little bit about how each year seems to get more exciting. It changes for you. I just kind of want to spend a little time on this year for you on what makes this year exciting. Because, you know, from a person in your perspective, looking at what you're going to have to be responsible for moving in terms of tons, is it exciting? Nervous exciting? Is it exciting exciting? Like what makes this exciting? What, what do you really mean by that when you're talking about, you know, each year gets more and more exciting? First off, you know, we're here as sales and marketers and, and, and even USHBC for one reason. And ultimately, that's the profitability of the growers, right? And so my excitement may turn into a, a lot of tears <laughs> if we don't pull that off, right? So it's exciting to look at the numbers. It's exciting to set up a plan. But ultimately, that plan has to be balanced with what the growers' costs are. And to pull that whole map, that whole huge million-piece puzzle together from all the different areas and all the packs and all the retail, et cetera, that's exciting. That's fun. It's a, it's a huge challenge, but a huge responsibility for not just Naturite, for the whole industry. But what's also exciting, if you can take a second and step back from the forest, e-commerce jumped forward five years in 12 months. Walmart passed Amazon as the biggest e-commerce sales situation in the world in one year. 
In 2019, I don't think people would have said Walmart at the end of 2020 was going to pass Amazon in e-commerce sales. So when you step back from the forest and look at what really happened in 2020 and look at what new avenues are out there to look at and explore and then ultimately exploit into sales and drive additional revenue back to the farm, that to me is really exciting. And there's some exciting things happening in e-commerce, so really exciting things. I share in the enthusiasm because I feel like USHBC rode that change as well in the year. We did some things, obviously working as a committee to uh, make adjustments in step with those changes those retailers were having to make. And and that set a course for us in this experience going into 2021 that is also exciting. I mean, we can see it in our own Instacart work that we're doing on behalf of the industry. Again, all this to make sure that blueberries are continuing to take a lead position in how we go to market. And I just think, you know, what we're hearing today, you know, obviously from both you and Tom is that there is a appetite for all these pounds out there. Again, you're right. We got to set this up right. Everybody's got to do their part. You know, we got to push this through uh, the channels that are available to us, but done well, you know, these pounds all have homes and, you know, the enthusiasm for the markets there, the enthusiasm for the product that the growers are bringing to the markets there. And there's a lot of work, you know, between harvest and getting on the table, but there's a lot of good indicators going into 2021 that we can build off of that 2020 year. You know, and if I can make one more comment, Case, the other thing is, and even on um, a task force you've got me on, on a call we had yesterday, you know, I said early in our conversation today, when I was talking about frozen and grade A product, I really think there could be inflation on pricing. But then I turned around on that comment and said, juice, I'm not ready to make that same kind of comment. That's the same thing for fresh. As an industry, we've really got to focus on consistent quality and meeting the consumer's expectations. Because what Tom's saying is super exciting, but man, you, you want to turn that fun, exciting momentum around, start disappointing the consumer on their expectations, right? And so we have our job to do as sales and marketing, but also we have our job to do as growers and shippers to make sure we're putting the right stuff out there for the consumer so that they come back and buy something right away and not be disappointed and move to something else. That's right. You know, since both of you are a part of that conversation we're having about those pack sizes, I feel like that's another episode entirely. So we may just kind of leave a cliffhanger here that, you know, we'll come back when we have more. But in that conversation about market opportunities, marketing generally, and certainly how you move pounds through these channels, the conversation we're having about, you know, the pack size optimization ideas that are out there, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see the intersection of the work you do, Brian, and obviously the data that we're pulling through category partners to kind of understand just the... I don't know if the word's exciting about what I saw and the chaos that is the pack size going into the different banners, but an opportunity, right? There's an opportunity. You've been saying that since I got here, Brian, that there's an opportunity here and you've said it on this show already. You know, if we can figure this out, we can send more pounds home than we do today by optimizing the pack sizes that we send to market. And there's no doubt, there's no doubt there was work there that needs to be done. But for another episode, we'll come back, I think, with more information on, on kind of a point of view there that we can be sharing with the rest of the industry. But for today, I think this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate the two of you kind of giving some of your thoughts, both on market conditions and the marketing that needs to go on, Brian, uh, and both of your roles in helping us both uh, measure 
and succeed in the year ahead with this record crop. So I know people are going to be working hard over the next several months to do all those things, Brian, but appreciate your insights and encouragement going into the 2021 domestic season here. So thank you both. Thank you, Casey. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. It was a lot of fun. Well, I really appreciate those guys coming on, uh, making for a great show. Lots of energy there, as you can see, both in the market conditions and obviously for somebody like in Brian's position, enthusiasm for what is ahead. Again, assuming that it goes like it could and what the future holds for blueberries. Again, we're in an interesting time and in some Key takeaways for me certainly is just hearing from Brian's perspective in the area that he serves on the fresh side there for Nature Ripe, just three weeks that he's seeing above 16 million pounds and possibly two above 18 million. It's really going to be you know quite the weeks of a lot of blueberries that need to move through uh, our different channels. So uh, a good heads up, a way of thinking about uh, what we still have ahead and how May is going to be a great month and be huge, June even bigger, and maybe bigger than even July, I believe he said. So just some important things for all of us to be considering, and and also in relationship to what Tom was providing us in perspective, that there's a, a big appetite out there for blueberries right now we can service if, if done right. And Brian's right. We had a, a meeting recently. It's the United Blueberry Task Force. We talked about that uh, with David Rockland in the previous week's episode, but just the task force discussed the importance of consistency of quality that, you know, that is what brings the consumer back time and time again, and how important it is to make sure that everybody does that job of ensuring that what goes on the shelf is something that brings people back to the shelf and puts it in the cart time and time again. And we got to keep this momentum going. And I think we have that chance in the 2021 year. I think you're hearing that in today's episode. And it's just an encouragement here to everyone listening who's in the business of blueberries to keep that momentum both in the fresh and frozen going into the largesse of the domestic season. So exciting times for sure. Well, that's it for episode 46. If you're getting value from this podcast episode, leave us a rating and review. I don't often ask for that, but uh, it is important. So just want to remind everybody that if you could just leave us a rating and a review on iTunes, it helps lift this podcast up in the indexing of podcasts for those of us in the business of blueberries who want to tune in and, and hear from some of our industry leaders about the blueberry industry. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family and hard work right here on the business of blueberries. 